This morning, uh, we have a very special guest, and I want to encourage you, last hour was so great. Um, we're going to do this interview style, but you're going to hear a lot about Jesus and the impact Jesus has made and is, is making. And so you're going to take a lot from this. What I want you to do this morning, church, is give a warm North Phoenix welcome to Coach Bryce Drew. It's to James the Drew for the win! God! put a highlight video from my playing days up there as well. <laughs> I, just, I didn't want to make it about me, and so we're going to keep it about I don't know if you know this or not, but I, I played college basketball. Did you know that? I did. I, I learned that, yes, earlier. Yeah, Division three. <laughs> yeah, Division just three. Just leave that part out. Yeah, Division three. I typically leave it out. If you, if you look for it, we research a lot of photos on you. We found tons of photos. If you research photos of me, you'll have to zoom in. Uh, behind the player dribbling, and you'll catch me on the bench cheering him. So it's just, uh, but we do have some common ground. And so, hey, I want to thank you. I want to thank you because I know you're a very busy man. And for you to take the time um, to sacrifice your time to be with the church, I know it's t more time uh, away from your family. And so I know it's sacrifice. And you've been so gracious and so humble. And I just want to thank you, Coach. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us this morning. Oh, thank you. Um, especially... Uh, especially after having a game yesterday. And so to be here this morning, uh, grateful for a great game yesterday, close game. Um, but nonetheless, thank you so much, Coach. Well, thanks for bringing it up yeah, again this morning. So appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, I don't get any sleep all night thinking about it. And I'm excited to come and you bring it up again. But, uh, but we lost a tough one last night. But any GCU fan who's here, thank you guys for coming yesterday. And we're going we're to get our next one. So... That's right, and speaking of the game last night, we actually asked the, um, the, the officials to come. If they would, please come. I'm joking, I'm joking. We, we already took care of them in the first, first <laughs> service. <laughs> they aren't allowed in church this morning. <laughs> hey, introduce us to uh, your family. How, how long you've been married and all that good stuff. Yeah, very blessed. Uh, over here sitting is uh, my wife, Tara, and uh, we've been married about 18 years, and then my eight-year-old son, Bryson, and um, they have been uh, obviously a great support for me, a great blessing uh, to have them uh, in my life. Uh, the sacrifice my wife has to give on a daily basis, especially with the profession that I have. And then, um, you know, my son, I don't get to spend the normal hours, you know, that, that, uh, that a dad gets to spend. And so the time that we do, um, we have a blast uh, playing together. Well, I knew I liked you. Then I, I saw your son walk in with Jordans on his feet. And I was like, yeah, I like you even more now. You'll definitely, <laughs> he, you'll definitely. He's into the shoe deal. I, I brought him to church a few weeks ago, and I think, you know, you always have the best shoes. So since then, man, he's been taking off with it. The, the best shoes for the best price. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, you got to get him to shave his head like mine. Then we'll really be um, talking about something. <laughs> well, in the picture, I noticed uh, you, you left the dog out. Tell us about the dog. The dog, yes. Because so, you know we're a dog church here. Oh, I know. Okay? We, uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. We love dogs here at North Phoenix. And, um, and I did not love dogs, so I, I was not a dog lover. And then, um, you know, my, my beautiful wife, 
wants a dog really bad, so she takes me to this little boutique place. Um, same one that like, you know, uh, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith's gotten dogs. And, um, and we go, and there's this little white fur ball, and only like probably five pounds at the time. And uh, we both just fell in love with her. And, and, and I'll admit, like, um, she rules the house. So uh, I didn't want a dog at all, but now wherever she wants to go, like, she has my back. Like, like I support her, whatever she wants to do. That, do we have any dog people in here, by the way? <laughs> now watch the difference. Do we have any cat people in here? <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, so... Uh, the dog thing, you know, it's interesting. I never really grew up with pets. I had a couple of goldfish that lasted a couple of days in my house. Um, <laughs> and then I come home from work. This was probably a couple of years ago. And my wife says, honey, we have 30 minutes to make a decision on getting a dog. I'm like, 30? That's a life. This is a life decision here. You can't give me 30 minutes. Long story short, she had the kids, you know, puppy eyes. And so I, I caved in. We've never <laughs> had a dog. I didn't really like animals too much. Um, and so we went and got a golden doodle. And I'll tell you, like, the thing runs our house. Um, there are times where I wake up in the middle of the night and I think I'm cuddling my child and I'm cuddling the dog. <laughs> and it's just, you know, like, don't move. Don't stay right there. Don't move. But it's, it's a lot of work. But we love it. Um, so going from family, uh, one thing I really admire about you, Coach, I, um, the first time we had lunch, um, I knew we'd have some common ground with basketball um, and then I, not that we're on the same level, but you know what I mean. Um, and then you began talking about Jesus, and it was very clear to me when I left that lunch, um, I was thinking, here's a man who loves basketball, deeply loves your family, that was very evident, uh, and loves Jesus. And I'm not talking about just saying you're a Jesus lover. I mean, there was depth there. There was, you understood the importance of standing on your faith in the midst of a chaotic culture that's always moving. Um, I left that lunch and I said, uh, I called my wife and I was like, honey, this dude's the real deal. I was like, he's awesome. He loves his family because you were talking about your wife and your father and your mother and your brother. I said, he loves his family. He loves basketball. He loves Jesus. I said, honey, and on the way to the car, he even told me he loves Lululemon. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> But we know that uh, you come from a basketball family. Mm -hmm. Your dad, who is here today, is a Hall of Fame a college Valparaiso basketball coach. Your, your brother is currently the head coach at Baylor University. Um, and so you come from a strong um, basketball family. But even more than that, you come from a strong family of faith. And so you have been blessed to be raised by incredible parents who have given you that foundation. But at some point, much like my children, I'm a pastor, I have four children. Uh, many of these adults are raising their children in the ways of the Lord. At some point, the child has to make their own decision. And so what did that look like for you? Um, you know, like you said, very blessed to have, you know, two parents. I have them here, um, you know, Homer and Janet Drew. And, and um, they, they, they brought faith into our house. So ever since I can remember, you know, you know seeing my dad kneel to say his prayers, you know, having my mom pray for me, uh, going to church as a family, you know, those are my earliest, you know, childhood memories. And so that was always, you know, instilled in me. But um, for myself, you know, there's a point in your life where it has to become yours and not just your mom and dad's or, or your friend's faith, 
but it actually has to be you and you alone. And um, I think the, the turning point for me was my sophomore year in high school. Um, I love basketball. I wanted to have a career and future playing basketball, um, but I developed a heart issue. And um, my heart would go 250 beats a minute sometimes when I would, you know, play basketball. And that's four beats a second, so it's pretty fast. And, um, and required, you know, doctor's attention, required surgeries. I ended up having, you know, multiple surgeries, you know, to get it fixed. But um, during one of the surgeries, you know, I remember, you know, looking up at the mirror and they block you out where you're laying on the table, but I could see the rest of the room in the mirror. And, and all of a sudden it just, you know, it, it hit me. Um, my mom would give me a verse, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Mm. And so I remember saying that verse to myself, be still and know that I am God. And I was like, like hold it, if I'm being still and know that I'm God, that he is God, like, I really don't have control. Like, if I wake up, I might be able to play, I might not. I mean, I might be in heaven. I had to sign the papers, you know, if they mess up, you know, um. can't sue them, all that stuff. Um, and so, so, uh, so at that point, I realized that, that control, like, like, I don't have it. And just going to church and, you know, having my parents' faith, yeah, that's great, but it's not, it's not eternal life. It's not a true personal relationship. So going, you know, getting up from that operating table, I had a, had a new relationship with Jesus, a renewed relationship, mm-hmm. you know, a relationship that you are my Lord and my Savior, and, and you are the protector of my life, and you're in control of my life. And that was the biggest thing, I think, handing control over and fully trusting him. One thing that... Um seems to be true for many of us in this room, for all of us in this room, that we can't always control our circumstances. Um, sometimes there's brokenness in our families. Uh, sometimes there's, there are health issues that are just way out of our control. There's absolutely nothing we can do. Several months ago, I shared with the church how uh, we were testing my son for cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And those were some t- challenging months, right? I had to get up here and preach to you guys, smiling and acting like everything was okay, but then I'd go back home and cry out to God, asking him why. And you go through these roller coaster of emotions, right? You go through these roller coaster of emotions where you're believing God for who he is, then all of a sudden you're not too sure he's actually going to come through. Or you believe it for other people, but you don't believe it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And those emotions go up and down. And, and everyone in here has probably experienced that. There's a point that we come to the end of our humanity. And what I mean by that is when you, we come to the end of ourselves where there's nothing we can do. And sometimes that's the greatest moment because we experience at the end of our humanity, we experience his divinity in an entirely different way. So for you to be on the table, um, for me to be asking God, like the cystic fibrosis, is that in my control? For many of them, and I miss sweet Phyllis here, is walking through cancer. And the list can go on with the people in our church um, who have challenges. You mind if we dig into this for just a minute? Um, because what's important for us as believers is to suffer well. We must learn to suffer well and to trust who God says that he is when we're on the mountaintop, to trust him in the valley. That that same God that spoke to us on the mountaintop is the same God that was with you when you were heading into the operating room. Didn't change. Mm-hmm. He did, his protection over your life didn't change. His care for your life and his love for you did not change. But if we're honest, sometimes it feels like it does. Sometimes it feels like, are you there? Are you gonna show up? Share with us, what was that like? You're a sophomore. Your entire life was planned on, I want to play in the NBA. And here you are with this scripture, one scripture, 
Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. That's all you had. What was that like? What were the emotions like? What were the thought process like? Let, is it okay if we get a little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no it's great. Um, you know, I, again, I think it was just the, 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 the presence of God, you know, feeling um, that I had given him control and that he was Lord of my life and, and just the perspective that he gave me, you know, going, going out of that um, you know, out of that surgery. And, and there were challenges then. I mean, you know, when the faith became my own, I had challenges I had to deal with. Um, as I became more mature in my faith, more challenges came. Um, when I got to the point that, okay, I think I might understand this Christian faith a lot better, there were challenges. And so there was always challenges, you know, throughout, throughout every step that, that, that I've been on, and they'll continue to be because we're here in an imperfect world. But, you know, I think two things as I look back have have always been important to me. And the first is, you know, the focus and they taking time to be with God. And, and just like the thoughts you just, you know, were transparent and shared. Um, I think all of us have had those thoughts. I have those thoughts. Um, but I don't want to avoid God or not have that conversation with him yeah. or take it to him in prayer. And so for me, a lot of alone time, especially in those challenging times with just him, um, so he can know my heart and I can speak it to him. And then he can, you know, obviously put on my heart, um, you know, things that he wants. So that's the first part for me. And then the second, you know, I have found, and, and um, again, I think men in general um, like to do things on their own, and they don't want help. That's why we don't read directions ever, because we think we know how to do everything, you know, the right way. Um, but having a community uh, to be there by your side, and every challenge and struggle, you know, that I've gone through, you know, when you have a nice message, when you have someone, you know, take you to a lunch, when you have the encouragement and the support, um, for me, that's been, you know, huge. That's kind of that next part after the alone time with God is just having community around you. And throughout the Bible, it talks how you have to have other believers. You know, this morning, you know, I wake up and, and, and I have believers, you know, send me a verse. I have someone from, you know, another city, you know, across the states send me this, this awesome, encouraging, you know, biblical message out of Jeremiah. And so it's just the support, you know, that you get from other believers. Um, this world's too hard to do on our own. Yeah. Like we need other believers, you know, around us. I like that. So the two things to, to grab from that as you're going through these difficult times and you're sitting there wondering, literally, it's a pivotal moment for you saying, my life really is not in my own hands. As much as we think it is sometimes, there are moments where the Lord allows us to be so weak and so desperate where we, are, we almost become sober-minded, that we're not as in control as we think we are. We're really not. We're not as in control of our lives or of what other people think or say about us or much of anything, uh, but what we can control is our faithfulness to God and how we stay focused. And what you shared is so key. I think sometimes in the Christian world, people are so afraid to be honest with God. There's this shallow of, I'll say the great things to God, but won't really tell him what I'm feeling. I've had some of the most freeing times. You know, he's a big God. He can handle anything we have to say to him. He can handle absolutely anything we have to say to him. And, and even for all of us today in here, uh, if you're walking through something, probably one of the most freeing things you can do um, is tell God what's on your heart. What can you tell a God who already knows everything? Anything. What can you tell a God who knows everything? You can tell him anything and he can handle it. He already knows it, most importantly. And um, I think that vulnerability piece of God, here's how I'm feeling. I don't see you. I don't feel you. Whatever that may be, and there's strength in that. And then you said vulnerability and then community. 
you're right. It's, it's hard to do life on life with, with sometimes even other Christians because we're going to fail each other. You begin to, um, uh, you know, at some point we think we can have a thousand friends and you recognize that's not realistic and that kind of gets a little smaller with the circle that you can trust. Um, Jesus' disciple 12 was close with three, uh, two or three. I mean, it's, and, and um, but that community is so important. He has built us for community to carry one another's burdens. So just to have someone that you know and trust and can share what you're walking through is so key. So here you are, you have the surgery, um, you end up having an incredible high school career. You get drafted in the first round to the Houston Rockets, number 16th, 1998. I know that because I was in eighth grade. And um, I know you have more hair than I do, and you have a better hairline, but he is older, by the way. Um, 1998, I had four channels I could watch in Houston, and I love the Rockets. And I remember um, seeing you get drafted and seeing you play. And I, obviously, I wasn't a believer then. I was, didn't know you. Uh, but as I look back now, um, I, you were 23 years old. Mm -hmm. So when did you meet your wife? Where in that process? I, I could imagine first round, number 16, um, a lot of pressures. You, you're thrown into a culture now that's probably not Christ-centered, right? When I drop my kids off at school, um, I'll tell them to set the culture, don't follow it. Amen. Set the culture, don't follow it. You had a lot of setting culture to do. Uh, and it's, let me tell you, it, I'm sure it was very tough being a 23-year-old, you were single, and we won't get into the challenges of cultural temptations, but they were there nonetheless. So I, I'd love to hear two things. First, I, I want to hear about how you um, abstain from these challenges, because we have uh, collegiate athletes in here. Mm -hmm. We have, I see some high school athletes here who will probably go D1 in basketball. There's some little studs over here, and, and they're, they're going to be tempted. They're going to be tempted, and uh, the enemy will do a great job of it. He won't let them know that it's him, but he'll disguise himself in the good things that take them away from the God things. So if you can speak to, um, I think it goes twofold, to the young athletes in here, but also um, anybody in here who has to understand the pressures of living in a culture that's anti-Christian. How did you, how in the world did you stand firm? I think when you saw me get drafted, you saw 6-3, doesn't shoot it great in that fast off the bounce, and you're like, I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to make the NBA. Listen, so I must have motivated you to play. Listen, you did. When, uh, when, when you, you saw me, you're like, if like, he can get drafted, I'm getting drafted. I can drafted. do this. <laughs> like, if he can do it, I can do it. You're 100% right. I still think I can get drafted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but uh, great question. First, my wife, uh, I was my fourth year in the NBA. Uh, I met her in Atlanta. Uh, we How did you meet? Well, I saw her in the arena before the game in the hallway. I saw this young girl. So you, you, just, know, you were walking in the hallway and you girl, saw We her. walked into the game and I saw her and then, you know, she walked the other way or whatever. Uh -huh. And then, <laughs> then it ended up, uh, you know, she was uh, a dancer on the dance team. Okay. And so, um, ironically, the funny thing is my rookie year, um, I'm out and Eddie Johnson, who's a great uh, Phoenix player, does all the Phoenix Suns games, everyone knows yeah. Eddie. All right, so, so Eddie and I are sitting in Miami my rookie year, and the dancers are out there, and he's like, would you ever date a dancer? And I was like, no. 
I said I would not date a dancer. And, and so we kind of talked about it and different things. And then, long story short, she's a dancer. Find out her parents run the world's largest Christian ba- ballet company. Um, so you did your homework. We get numbers. We don't date for two years. Um, two years later, we date for six months, and we get married. And so, um, so it's been a blessing. She's, she's been around, you know, um, you know, sports, obviously the NBA. She's been around lots of different people when she would tour, you know, in the Christian ballet company all around the world. So um, great blessing for me to have her. So let's back up a little bit. We have, how many singles do we have in here today? Okay. We have two that are proud to be single. Yeah. The other ones are like, <laughs> yeah, just me again. Um, this is important. Young Christian man, you skipped over it. What, what did that, what did the exchanging number, did you have to figure out who she was? Did you ask around? Yeah, well, did some research, obviously. Some research? Um, find out with her parents and her background. Some research. We, we call that in North Phoenix stalking is what we call that. <laughs> yeah, did, did some research. Yeah, stalking. Yep. <laughs> well, okay, well, so you, you stalked a little bit. Did you like go into the DM? I mean, what did you? No, no, we didn't have that stuff back you then. Didn't have that, that, stuff? Was, that was a while was ago. That, that, did you oh. have MySpace? Did you go into her MySpace no, account? No, we didn't even do that stuff. So yeah. had a mutual friend in Charlotte that knew a mutual friend of her okay. and then uh, got connected number-wise. But... Again, I think going back to that focus, you say, you know, I, I was six years in the NBA. Um, you know, part of it was, you know, I didn't want to involve myself or go out with people that I didn't feel like had a, a foundation of something that I liked and wanted. Mm. And, and so, I mean, she knows to, the, to this day, if she didn't have a faith background at the time, and if the parents, we probably would not have kept in touch. So that was you know, important to you? That extremely she was important, yeah. We Good. wouldn't have kept in touch over two years How old were um, you to get married. Um, I think I was 27 at the time. 27. When we first, and then we started dating when I was like 29. Okay, so you, so 29, you get married at 30? Yep. So you were patient, and you didn't lower your standards, and you stayed focused on Christ. Stayed, uh, you, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked in the past about this too and earlier this morning, but, you know, for, for me, um, you know, you can see so many different things, you know, in this, in this world. Like, right now I could see everybody if I'm turning, but... If I'm just focused on you, it's a lot easier to talk to you than everyone out here. And so the same when, I, when I'm, you know, in the NBA, there's so many distractions. Or in this world, you can go home in your house and there's so many distractions. But there's also another perspective. If you're really focused on one thing, those distractions don't matter as much. And, you know, for me in the NBA, I wanted to be a really good player. I wanted to use a pa- platform to help others. You know, um, you know I, I wanted to be a great example, you know, for my family and set a life up after basketball. So those were more my focus than, hey, let's enjoy every pleasure that this, that mm. this NBA can give me. Um, and so, you know, during those six years, I really got honed. I got challenged. Um, you know, I really grew. And, um, you know, I thank the Lord for, for, you know, those six years that, that it really helped establish my faith even stronger and further. You know, it, what's incredible is I, I love hearing your perseverance, your faithfulness, your steadfastness as well. I think everyone can relate to that, waiting on God, uh, how it can get a bit tiring sometimes. Um, sometimes in our lives when we wait on God for so long to do something, we kind of get tired of waiting on God. And when you go out and do things yourself, uh, you end up with an Ishmael instead of the Isaac that he has <laughs> promised because we become so impatient. Yeah. And God is so faithful um, that he restores and redeems uh, but I, I love your faithfulness and your steadfastness and, in terms of as a single man in the NBA, and you were faithful. Uh, that shows, that speaks to uh, not only you and your character, but it speaks to God's ability and power to sustain us mm. in even the most difficult circumstances. 
And so faith, here you are, um, has impacted. Um, you you uh, use Christ and use your faith-centered um, life in the NBA, never shied away from it. Um, all I keep hearing, we did our research too, um, but all we keep hearing is how you, you are unashamed of the gospel. And I know it's not always popular. Uh, share with us, were there any NBA moments where, um, and you know, I think as Christians, there's a, there's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. When I first became a Christian, I was so on fire that I was annoying. Um, you know, I'd go to places, you're like, you know, Jesus wouldn't approve of that. <laughs> you know, I was that guy that everyone was like, ah, oh, here he comes. And I was just annoying to be around. Um, I was probably very legalistic. Um, I didn't have much grace, and, and it was just pretty crazy because now um, I'm a man filled with grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have much then because I just thought everyone should be doing the right thing all the time. Um, and, and I was wrong. Um, and so uh, here, here, here you are. Um, I have learned in my walk, um, in my D3 basketball experience, um, <laughs> that on the basketball team, you know, we probably had two Christians, and I was one of them. Not to, they knew I was a believer, and I didn't have to shove it down their throat, but I wanted to be consistent enough with my lifestyle that if they wanted to know about Christ, they knew where to come. Tell us how you did that, because although many of them in here are not in the NBA, well, probably none of you are in the NBA, (laughs) um, they do have a workplace. They do have to balance out. How do you do it in your workplace? How do you do it with family members? What does this look like, and how did you do it? You know, I think everybody has a different ministry. Everyone has a different gift. Um, some, again, are extremely outspoken. Some can have those hard conversations right away. Uh, some take time. You know, for myself, kind of my stance when I was in the NBA was more of an example. You know, how I'm going to live and how I'm going to speak and things I'm going to do. And, you know, shortly into, you know, my rookie year, there were players on the team that, that knew where I stood, and I had never had conversations with them, mm. um, but they just must have observed, you know, on things that I was doing or things I wasn't doing, you know, from, from where I was, uh, you know, from a face side. We have chapels in the NBA, so I would attend, you know, the chapels on the road and, you know, usually become friends with, the, with our hometown chaplain, um, which was a, a really cool experience. But as I reflect, there are a lot of cool areas that God kind of used me. One, you know, we had an NBA all-star uh, point guard, and I was reading a book on David on, on the plane, and he got really curious about the book, so we talked about David for a second. And he's like, do you care, um, you know, can, 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 can I see that? And I was just like, here, and, and he ended up taking it and kept That's it. That's cool. Um, and, you know, did, hopefully he read it, hopefully it touched his life at somewhere. Um, you know, but I've had teammates, you know, that maybe have had um, a little troubled past that when I went to that team, you know, I really became good friends with certain guys, so we'd hang on the road all the time, and I could see by them describing their previous life in the NBA to what it was now. They were living a different lifestyle, and it was kind of cool that I got to walk with them hand by hand and be on them with the road and, and kind of different things they were doing now than what they used to do on the road. Mm. And so, you know, it was kind of cool how, how God kind of planted me, and, and, you know, hopefully I had an effect on more guys than, than what I know uh, just by decisions I made and, um, and, and things, you know, that, 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 that I would have said to them. So you planted a, a lot. I think sometimes as believers, we want to see the seed and fruit right away. <laughs> and it sounds like you planted a lot of seeds and let the Lord do his work, which is incredible. Here you are now. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about leadership. There's a lot of leaders in here, and I think leadership is influence. We all have influence. And um, I always say leadership um, is a painful privilege. <laughs> It's a painful privilege. It's painful because as leaders, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything's on your shoulders and it doesn't turn off. 
Um, there's emotional exhaustion. There's physical. You, you bring it home. The family fills it. I know mine does. When I walk in the door, my wife can already know, like, you need to go take a drive. <laughs> like, you're not emotionally here. Uh, and my wife has said that to me sometimes, like, honey, I don't feel like you're emotionally connected with us. And she's right, because my mind doesn't know how to turn off. Uh, the pastor job is not eight to five. It's, you're on. You're just a pastor. Um, and it's okay. I love the calling. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But there's a painful side of leadership. The painful side is this. Um, the Bible says that wards have the ability to give life and death. And the painful side of leadership is that the reality is you do get criticized as a leader. Um, being a leader is like being a referee. No matter what call you make, <laughs> someone's not going to like it. And somebody has an opinion about it. And being in the public eye like yourself, um, there's a lot of fans, there's a lot of critics, and that's, that's hard. That, that, that's hard to, um, you know, whoever said sticks and stones and break my bones but words will never hurt me is a liar, you know. Um, those things hurt. Uh, they hurt, and they can, they, you can play. We've all dealt with this where you play the criticism in your mind over and over and over. It wakes you up at 3 in the morning, and you're thinking about what people are saying about you that aren't true, or we're concerned about the what-ifs. Um, and it can, really, it can really embitter somebody's soul. And most importantly, it can distract you from the mission that God has put you on. I believe that the enemy uses the voices of people to distract us from the mission of God. The enemy will use the voices even of other Christians. You think about the game last night. I'm sure there were Christians at the game. <laughs> Not anybody in here would have done this, but I'm sure some of those Christians were verbalizing, were, and they're at church this morning raising their hands, praising God. <laughs> they compartmentalize their faith, and that can be a bit challenging. And so tell me as a leader, as a leader who God has called um, to lead at a great institution, um, as a leader who can un probably understand that word painful privilege. It's painful for all the reasons, but it's a privilege because God in his kindness could have chosen anybody to pastor this church. Thank you, God, you chose me. It wasn't because of my resume. It's because he's so good. Mm. And God in his kindness could have chosen anybody to be the coach at GCU. And he God, like I, God chose you. That's pretty incredible. That's why it's a privilege. How do you get to those things as a leader? How, how do you get to the painful times of leadership? Because basketball, it's up and down, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of emotions. It's a roller coaster of emotions. How do you stay consistent? How do you suffer well in the midst of those hard times? You know, whatever the, the fans probably say out there, I probably hear it like a hundred times worse from my wife when I get home. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so it, it, it's, it's much worse when I get home. And I, got I don't a, know anything and about I, that. And I got a coach. Hall of Fame coach. So, I mean, I mean, every little X and O detail I get there. So, um, but, but, you know, uh, for, first of all, you know, we are in a broken world. Yeah. And, and, and even though, you know, I, I get to coach, like, like I make mistakes. I mean, I know that. I, I say things I shouldn't say. I, I do things, draw plays sometimes I shouldn't call at that time. And so, you know, this is a world of mistakes. Um, you know, a lot is obviously what you do, you know, after those mistakes. And, you know, for me, I, I think I, I go right back, you know, to the source. I go right back to the giver of life. I go right back, you know, you know to, to, our, to our Lord and Savior. And, and 
whatever I, I, I feel, you know, I'm doing to please him, uh, that's the most important. So, so as we go through, we have to make tough decisions as leaders. Um, again, there's hills and valleys as leaders. Um, like you said, even if it's a great decision, someone's not going to agree with you. And they're going to let you know. And, and, they'll and, let you know. And they'll yeah. let you know. And so, you know, first is, is would God approve of how I'm doing this? Mm. Is, this is this, am I trying to please him? Is this right in his eyes? Um, so I really, I really, you know, first go to that. And then, and then next is, you know, I, I try to have the best gauge I can at right or wrong. Yeah. You know, what's right and what's wrong. Because if it's wrong and, it's, and it, 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 it might be successful, I don't want it because it's wrong. Like, like you know, I want to do things, you know, you know the right way. Um, then, you know, the, the next part is, is work. You know, like, like, like as a leader, I got to get better every single day. And, and, you know, I'm a better leader this morning than I was, you know, this morning, you know, before sunrise when I woke up yeah. and, uh, and I couldn't sleep, you know, thinking about stuff. And, and I think you have to perpetually get better and improve. And, and a leader that thinks he knows it all, and I definitely don't, um, isn't, isn't going to be successful. But a leader that keeps trying to learn and grow, um, you know, that's what I want to aspire to be. So, so, so that's, that's kind of what I put my focus on. Yeah. Um, but obviously there are outside factors. But, but again, I want to please the Lord. You know, I want to do things the right way. And then I want to do the best that I can and, and keep improving, you know, on what I'm doing. Love it. And Coach, there's a theme here. I don't know if you guys have caught this. But here you are, a sophomore, about to have surgery. Your, your life is really in God's hands. And there's a word that you use where you, you just focus on Psalm 46.10. You get to the NBA, you're a single man, but you stay focused on the Lord. Um, you, you're here um, at GCU coaching, and you're staying focused on the Lord. Uh, it's very clear that we live in a world of distractions. Very clear. And um, knowing what I know of you, uh, I think one thing we can definitely all take in here is the importance, the importance of not allowing our emotions to dictate who we believe God is. The importance of not allowing our emotions to dictate who we, we know God is. And, um, you know, it's so key because, man, bombarded by all this information, all these distractions, all kinds of stuff. And sometimes, uh, I'll speak for myself, so I don't put it on you or anybody else, that we can care so much about the opinion of man that we stop hearing the voice of God. That the opinion of man becomes such an idol that we no longer pursue pleasing God. And sometimes we can wake up and be sobered up and recognize I've been living my life to please man. No wonder why I have no peace because it's impossible to please man. And what you have done so well that I admire as, uh, as a leader and as a man of God is yes, the distractions are there. Yes, the temptations were there. Yes, the crit- whatever it is. And not to say you don't hear to feel it, but you're staying focused on God. It's so key as a leader to stay focused on God. Now, in, in, in your leadership, um, the, the team you surround yourself with, the players, the coaches, uh, is important to the success you experience. How do you choose? Because here's the thing. We have people in here who are employees that can really take some good mm-hmm. stuff from this. You have young athletes who may want to hear, man, a V1 coach is looking for these attributes. So let's start from the coaching mm-hmm. side. What do you look for when you're hiring coaches? Is it humility? Is it what, what do you look for? And then what do you stay away from? How about that? Yeah, you know, um, in, in hiring, trust is so important. 
um, you know, with any staff, um, especially in our world, you know, trust, um, loyalty, um, like you said, humility, uh, hardworking. Um, again, a lot of the attributes that, that you wanted people, obviously you wanted a coaching staff. Um, for me, when, when they do have a faith background and a relationship uh, with the Lord, um, a lot of those attributes we're looking for are already checked off and yeah. punched. I don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of those things. So, so that's a really, you know, important thing for me. Um, and then obviously they have to have the skill and the knowledge. I mean, I mean that's, that's a given um, when you get into it. And then as far as, you know, players we want on our team, um, you know, I'm, I'm at such a unique place. Um, you know, when you compare it to other Division I schools in the country, because we are a school of faith. And, and you know, op- we love to recruit, you know, student-athletes of, of faith. If they are not of faith, um, you know, we really want them to be receptive, at least to our team chapels and our, and our prayers as a team. And, and if they are, that, that's awesome, because hopefully they'll get to come to know the Lord, you know, during their four years, um, you know, on, uh, at our school. But in, in the basketball side, it'd be character and skill. Like, we want, we want men of character. Mm. And then obviously they have to have a skill with basketball. One of the things leaders can often neglect, which when we neglect this, we are not great leaders. We can become unhealthy leaders. Uh, the, the leading of yourself. One of the most important things we can do, um, I lead my wife and my family better when I'm leading myself to follow Christ better. I'm a better leader when I'm spending more time with Christ. When I neglect that time, I'm a horrible leader. For you, you have a crazy busy schedule how do you prioritize and balance out this, this leading yourself with God? You know, uh, for me, I know that everyone's here is at a different stage of life. And, and for me, it, the balance has been different at every stage of life. Uh, before I was married, um, it, it was really easy, you know, to have, have a routine of, you know, in the morning um, or at night or certain parts of the day. Um, it was much more simple. When you get married, the schedule changes a little bit. Um, you try to work together with your wife on some of those times, you know, that you can spend with the Lord or pray together. Um, then when you have a child, forget the schedule like it's out the door, you know, figure it out whenever you have any, any, any time, you know, uh, take advantage of it and spend with the Lord. And, 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 and for me, you know, I'm, I'm a first thing in the morning. You know, um, I thank the Lord for, for waking me up, giving me life, yeah. you know, ask him for, for wisdom, you know, throughout the day. And, and then the car rides are, are really impactful for me. Um, I have about a 20, 25 minute drive every morning to and from um, the office. And, 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 you know, when you're younger, you know, you usually like jam out during those times in the car. But what but, do you like to listen to? Well, <laughs> well, back in the day, it was, it was everything, Drink. but, but uh, back I'm in the day, it was everything. <laughs> but, but right now, you know, usually it's a lot of just quietness and time yeah. with God and, um, and talking with him and, and speaking to him and, awesome. you know, asking for direction and then, then praise music, you know, putting that on in the car. Before we close, coach, what, what is something that God is teaching you right now? Yeah, you know, I, I think something he's teaching is, uh, is patience and perseverance. Mm. Um, you know, as a coach, like, like you want to win every game. You want like everything, you know, right away. And, you know, um, if you're doing things the right way and you're building the right way, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a building. There's so much infrastructure that goes on underneath. You don't even see the top of the building until sometimes years later. And then you see, you know, how great that structure is below. And, you know, that's kind of the patience I'm, I'm feeling right now is we're building a great foundation and a great culture. Um, but it doesn't change like that. You know, it takes multiple years. So patience and then the perseverance because you got to fight for culture every day um, until culture 
cultures change. You know, it's something you have to fight for yeah. every day. When you think you're 80% there, then you're back to 70, you know, and you got to get to 81, 82. And, and um, you know, we're trying to build a perfect culture, as perfect as we can at our school. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're working towards every day. Well, I'm going to shift gears in closing. I have some, some fun questions that allow them to get to know you. What are you doing on your days off? If you don't have any basketball for the weekend, how do you balance out that family time? What are you, what are you guys doing? We're big mall people. Mall? So, so she, my wife knows every mall in the, in the valley. And, uh, and, 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 hey, you're, hey, you're going to be in trouble. And sadly, sadly, my son You've knows every mall. you several times. I, I think you're going to need a ride home. So, sadly, my son knows every mall in the valley also. Um, but we like to go, you know, walk around, just look at things, you know, well, have lunch together. So uh, favorite singer or band? Um, you know, I, I, I like listening to Hillsong. I've liked their songs for, you know, probably the last, uh, you know, uh, five to ten years. Who's the best actor to play Bryce Drew in a movie? Uh, ben Affleck. So, and, ben um, Affleck. Yes, and, 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 and I was thinking about that, you know, recently. I'm more of a Kevin Hart. I think I would be Kevin Hart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I look like The Rock. I more would act like Kevin Hart. That's a... <laughs> ben Affleck was Batman. No, and so, go, yeah, you, you go. got to be Batman. Favorite basketball player of all time? Uh, favorite player of all time is uh, a player named Mark Price. Yeah. And the reason was he was a smaller point guard and he was really strong in his faith. And he was an NBA player I could look up to. Like, like wow, he's strong in his faith. He's in the NBA. He's a point guard like me. Okay. Um, best player of all time, though, I've heard you at church and I do agree with you. Come on. Okay, it's definitely MJ. You yes, can't, Lord. Hallelujah. Can't, can't debate it. Definitely, uh, definitely Jordan. I feel the spirit moving now. <laughs> now I feel the spirit moving up in this place. If you had one last meal, what would that be? Um, it would be uh, our homemade spaghetti, you know, that, that, that we have. Um, I kind of grew up spaghetti. on Spaghetti. Awesome. We have Italian background. Oh, so, so, so okay, the Italian background now. Now, spaghetti. I've, yeah, I've had yeah, real yeah, Italian yeah. spaghetti. I've had real <laughs> Italian spaghetti. Miss Kathy. Um, your favorite bald pastor. <laughs> mm. Go ahead. Well, I, I'd like to find someone that maybe uh, was good at basketball, <laughs> someone that... <laughs> New sport, so I, I guess we'll go with this guy right hey, here. Hey, <laughs> hey, speaking of basketball, you have a crazy resume. Um, Indiana's Mr. Basketball. We have a picture of that. There we go. Wow. I'm, I'm glad that um, you're Gatorade. she met me after that she picture. After that. Yeah, after that, a long time later. You're Gatorade Player of the Year. You went 28-1 your senior year, three conference tournament MVPs, two conference MVP awards, Valparaiso's all-time three-point field goal and assist leader. Ranked number two in points for Valparaiso. And that, I mean, that's, that's an incredible resume. And I said I didn't want to make this about me, but I, I, I would like to know who do you think would win um, if you and I would have played one on one back when our prime? Because uh, here's the thing, coach. Here's the thing. I have a couple of <laughs> shots for me playing basketball back in my day, and I just, I didn't. I, I, I played I play a little bit. <laughs> I played a little bit. You'll see another picture come up. There's, <laughs> and then my latest stint here. I've, I've done a little bit of something. But who do you, who do you think? Who do you think? You know, back back in the day. Let, let's just be honest. Maybe if I was a little bit taller, who do you think would have won? Let's let's say this. Let's say it's backyard basketball. Um, it sounds like you've always been a Christian. So you're a Christian. You're 18, <laughs> and I'm not a Christian. I'm 18. The before Christ, Noe. And we're in the backyard with no referee. Who do you think would have won one-on-one? No, no referee. Well, if you were a pastor, you definitely would win. So, but if you're not— How do you think I would have won one-on-one in the backyard? <laughs> Two of y'all? Come on! I don't, 
I don't think we would have finished the game. Why? Okay, I they probably got too competitive. Okay, and um, I'm just thinking. You know, maybe emotions may have taken over, and we're, Who th got we're throwing the ball at each other. Well, uh, maybe you. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, look, we don't have time for one-on-one, -on -one, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what we are going to do right now. We're gonna we're gonna settle this because we can't turn back the hands of time, <laughs> and we're gonna, we're gonna have one shot. What shot? Do one right. shot. And we're gonna find out right now who exactly the best player would have been. No, jacket on. No, jacket, no, uh, jacket no, 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 no. on. Because I, I can't look. My congregation has heard too many stories about how good I used to be. And, and let's pretend this is the backyard. And here, right here, Ashlyn. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So let's pretend. You see the way I caught that? Just smooth in here. You, you did. Just, you yes. want to yes. keep yes. your eyes up, not down, and you dribble. Yeah, triple threat. And so threat. let's nice. use the triple threat. So um, you're all-time three-point shooter. So here's what we're going to do. One shot's all we get. Um, and you're going to, let's see, this is about, no, NBA 3 is probably <laughs> right about here, coach. And you're going to get one shot. One and shot. And I get one shot. And it'll settle for all time who would have won in the backyard before me, you, your family, your son, your, your parents, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> all right. Here, here we, we go. go. There you go. Now, I, he played in the NBA. I played Division Three. Division Three, they, they, what they did in Division Three, they would lower the goal and they would shorten. Look, Coach, I'm not, I'm not afraid. Of, uh, you, you see okay. that? I'm not afraid whoa, of busting whoa, whoa, out a little whoa, whoa, bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So, so he doesn't get a quiet free throw, does he, even though he's your pastor? So we got to get some noise. Let's get some noise for this great fighter. Here we go. Have to win. <laughs> you get one more shot. All right, coach. one more. Here we you go. get one more shot. You're, you're not competitive, are you? I'm not competitive at no. all. But someone's gonna win. <laughs> Last shot. Then we gotta call it. Whoa, 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 whoa! We need a lot of noise. Come on, one more time. Give us some noise here. On behalf of Coach Bryce Drew and GCU, they have invited us to host December 29th basketball game. They're giving our church 2,000 free tickets to the game. You can see it up here. Scan the QR code. Bring your families and friends. Coach, we want to thank you so much Thanks. for being here. And here's what I want to do as a church. Church, here's what I love to do. Um, he's obviously a uh, man of God who's walking firm in his faith. We understand that the enemy is always going to attack. And here's what I like to do this morning. I want to be able to stretch our hands towards him and his family and pray over them for protection, for God's favor, for comfort, and for peace over their lives. Would you join me in praying for him? Thanks. Father, uh, we thank you for this man of God, a man who uh, is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and, and the moments he shared today about the, the, the surgery. And here he is, your life, his life in your hands, God, and he is focused on you. And Father, we, we thank you that even as a young man that you protected him and kept him, Father. God, we thank you that as a, as a coach today, that he is standing firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ and he is not budging. 
We know that anytime a man stands firm in the midst of culture that the enemy is going to attack. We know that the enemy will attack through him, through the family, through all kinds of ways. And God, we just pray that you protect his mind, that you protect his wife, his son, God. We pray that they're able to see your favor and protection all over their lives. And God, we thank you for him. We thank you for you calling him, God. And we know that it's more than basketball, that you would use his life and the life of his family to impact these young men with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to, to raise warriors for Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Thank God you. bless. See you next week.